Hello there, my friends, and welcome to Story You Talk Radio. We come to you live every Thursday at 4 o'clock Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Really is my joy to spend this hour with you. So I just want to thank you for making time in your schedule or during your commute home. Whatever it is you're up to, thank you for making time to spend this hour with me. I would love to take your questions if anything comes up today that you've been wanting to talk about on the topic of writing your memoir, working with your stories, publishing your book, your blog, your brands, your TED Talks, your podcasts, anything Let's talk about it. Love to help you along. Our topic today is regarding the notion that some of us get into writing patterns on more of a a seasonal basis. We'll try it out for a month or two or three, or we'll try it out one summer, and then five summers later, we come back to it. Nothing wrong with that. But Some writers decide, you know what? I'm a lifelong writer. Some go for that that phrase that we sometimes hear when if you're serious, you might want to put a ring on it. They they get really into the idea that they're not going to let their unconscious mind or their their lack of investment take over. They're they're going to go for it. They see their talents. They've been in it probably for enough seasons that they're feeling like I could really claim an identity as a writer if I were simply willing to just up it up a notch or two, up it up a notch or two. So I'm going to talk to you about what that looks like today and why sometimes we're We're more like the writer who, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. (laughs) Actually, I, I don't think that's the best metaphor ever. But, you know, it's the writer who visits writing. It's more like the the Airbnb model of writing as opposed to making a place for your writing in your own home or in your own regular day-to-day life. Like I said, you're not better for putting a ring on it. You're just in a very, very different stage. You've upped the ante. And you might not even know how to go from being more seasonal and thinking, well, I just like to write in the summer. And I like to write in the summer when my kids are at camp. And I like to write in the summer when my kids are at camp and I don't have to work 40 hours. But what if what if that only happens every, you know, three, four, fifth year? Well, then you're not getting that much writing in. And, and my guess is... That if you did it three years ago and you enjoyed it and you're doing it now and you're enjoying it, you're probably at least curious how you might become a lifelong writer and really 
put the ring on it, really decide I'm going to write and I'm going to get the help I need to make sure it happens. I just want to speak now to those of you that have been reaching out and saying, I could use a little more help and I would like a free way to do it. So first of all, thank you for inspiring me, Bonnie and Rebecca and Steve and Scott. Thank you so much to Michael and to Rob. And I really want to thank Heather. Heather, you've only been in my world now for a very short period of time, but truly inspiring me to keep my lifelong commitment to writing going. I also want to thank Stephanie, who I only met yesterday, really, really inspiring me. And I also want to thank Jessica and Joy. And I want to thank Annette. And I hope I thanked Steve, who just recently I got to sit down with Steve and do some talking about writing In fact, Steve was on this trajectory of lifelong writing and still, of course, is when I met him. It's one of the things that made me really look up to him was that he he was very committed to writing poetry as well as content for students, as well as some really, really what I saw as difficult writing in, you know, systems and administration, there was all kinds of writing that he was taking place with. But what what encouraged me was knowing that he was a poet, that he had been a poet for a long time, that he had written music also for quite some time. And when I read his poetry, I could really feel, ooh, this is someone who's committed to writing. This is someone who knows a good bit about his craft. So again, we often start with this notion that we we want to get into more patterns with our writing, but we don't even know how to move from it being seasonal to lifelong. So thank you to those that have been reaching out and really asking me, how might I make that leap? And thank you to those like Steve, who really inspire me to stay with my mission of being a lifelong writer. But also, even more importantly to me sometimes, is that I want to be that lifelong committed teacher and coach that helps you get your work done. I learned some time ago that performing on stage while it's fun, it's not necessarily my number one value, but teaching that matters to me. Staying in the loop with my writing that really, really deeply, just like teaching matters to me. Doing this podcast really, really matters to me. I show up live for the weekly radio show. And in in this format, honestly, um, it, it really motivates me to make sure that the days I'm not here with you, I'm really committed to my values. 
Because if I was just putting out a podcast whenever I felt like it, instead of having an agreement with the radio station, with Eric, who's in charge of operations and sound, with the other gentlemen behind the scenes that take care of the sales and the sponsorships, and another nice lady who keeps me in training, all the behind the scenes stuff. If I didn't make a commitment to that, it would be easier to fall into the idea that maybe I should just be a seasonal writer. Maybe lifelong isn't where I belong. But because I made that decision, it was a big decision that I wanted to produce a weekly teaching show, it keeps me in that space of upping the ante, keeping up with the topics I want to share with you, and on and on and on. And it's really no different for you. So today we are going to get into this topic about being a lifelong writer and what are some of the decisions that you actually go beyond that the seasonal writer might be comfortable just just hanging out with and sticking with. But if you want to become lifelong, you have to really take a look at them and go further and deeper and wider into that. um, I almost said abyss, (laughs) but I bet that would scare you to think of it as the abyss. It's, It's more of a commitment. It's more like a marriage. And honestly, I think marriage is really, really a beautiful thing. Marriage is when you say it's you and me and the relationship we're creating, and I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. And the seasonal says, I really enjoy visiting. I'll be back to see you sometime soon. And maybe they're committed but not beyond the visitation. So I don't want to make you think that if you're a seasonal writer, you don't have a level of commitment to your writing. It's just that what you're committed to might be a visit, a weekend visit, as opposed to I'm, I'm in this and I won't be turning around and I won't be looking for excuses to get me out. I'm in. This is where I want to be. All righty. I hope I've planted enough seed to get you inspired to call in and talk to me. Today, I am not at the studio, but Eric still works all his magic down there at the studio, and he will connect you and I if you call in. So the phone number is one. 1- 888-298-5569. We can talk about lifelong writing and seasonal writing. Uh, we can talk about anything that you would like to talk about. The number is one 5569 It's more about being a lifelong writer, not lifelong writing. You know, because if I say lifelong writing, you might think that that novel you're in the middle of is going to go on your whole life. And it's, it's not. That's not what I meant at all. 
So give me a call if you want to chat. If you're a little bit shy, I have some other options set up for you. One is through Facebook Messenger. You can always go over to my personal or my professional page and send me a message. My professional page is Coach Debbie, and it's D-E-B-B-Y. And my personal page is Debbie Handrich. And Handrich is just like it sounds. It's H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H. Now, besides this show, I wonder, how often do you hang out and listen to other writers talk to you about writing? There was a time in my life where technology wasn't so available to us. And so I would seek that out by hearing other writers usually because my local bookstore was inviting a writer to come and speak or because I was interested in a writer's conference. And so I would go because particular writers that I followed were speaking. Uh, Sometimes there would be like a talk show. Maybe someone like Oprah Winfrey would have Elizabeth Gilbert who talked extensively on talk shows about her book, Eat, Pray, Love, way back in the day. You know what? That is way back in the day now, because anything that's more than, you know, 10 or 15 years old is just considered ancient now that we have technology. Used to be that something was hundreds of years old before we would ancient eyes it. But, you know, with technology now, It just seems like a long, long time ago that Elizabeth Gilbert was claiming her award for, at that time, having sold the record number of books. It it was just a crazy number in in the five-figure millions, (laughs) you know, 75 million books or something like that of Eat, Pray, Love, which, you know, what is it? It's a fabulous memoir. If you wanted to, in the 80s, in the 90s, maybe even in the early 2000s, hear people speak about writing, you kind of had to find a way to get to them. But now technology is readily available the minute you wake up and your favorite podcasts have downloaded the latest episode or something like that, or you wander on over to your favorite YouTube channel and you listen to an interview. There is so much access and availability to listen to what your favorite writers have to say. I don't listen to as many interviews as I would like. Honestly, for the last nine years, I was really very busy offering interviews. Not so much in the last two, but but for seven years prior, um, yeah, 2011 all the way up to 2019, every week I was interviewing an author. 
sometimes my absolute favorite authors, and sometimes those that were just coming up on the scene and getting known. And you know what I noticed? Authors have patterns, whether they're writing in personal development or they're writing fiction. It it doesn't really matter. Authors have patterns and they go like this. When I first started writing, well-known authors and new authors will say, I didn't know if anyone would care to read what I had to say. Well-known and new writers all say, I was so worried about being judged. So worried. I have had just, oh, I countless conversations about how much we care of what others think of us, how worried we are about being judged, and the weird and just flimsy veil of perfectionism that goes along with writing. And you know what's interesting? How much others care, how much others are going to judge us, and how perfect something has to be isn't limited to writing. It's really, really, really tied into the human experience, which I went into on a deep level last week. So please check out that podcast. It, it's something you find in, in jobs. It's something you find in family dynamics. It's something you find in writing. It's just part of being human. Who's going to judge us? How good does it need to be? And if I, if I even put all my energy into it, will anyone even care to show up and take interest? These are the things that are on our mind. And I just want to say that when we are in that place of seasonally relating to our writing, we get stuck in those areas. But when we make the decision that we are in, we are going to be a writer, we're going to author that book, we have to take a deeper look. We have to go beyond the initial care, the initial judgment, and and those initial patterns of perfection. So if you want to know more, and I know you do, Please stay tuned. I'm going to come right back after this first commercial, and we're going to talk about about this more. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Hello. I'm Nathan Mum. Join me and Mike Reday as we host a weekly technology show that talks about technology for the everyday common person. We are a live radio program that airs Saturday from 4 to 5 p.m. on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. If you go to facebook.com forward slash techtimeradio, youtube.com forward slash techtimeradio, or twitch.tv forward slash techtimeradio, you can catch us live Saturdays from 4 to 5 p.m. You can find us at all podcast services online from Apple to Google and everything in between. 
Walking your talk? Take us with you. The KKNW app makes streaming our programming easy on your phone or tablet. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. If you're just tuning in, I would love to introduce myself. My name is Coach Debbie, and I come to you every Thursday to offer you a show about the story that you may be writing. And it doesn't really matter if you're turning it into a blog post or a TED Talk or your memoir, your book, or if you're showcasing your story to create your own brand. I would love to help you along on that journey. I was an adjunct professor in Seattle, Washington for, gosh, uh, 15 years at one college, another five years at another college. And I went on into entrepreneurialism because I love books and I love authoring and I wanted to work with students and clients beyond the semester ending because it's always sad when the semester ends and my 75 favorite people go on into their future. It's always this sad moment. So being an entrepreneur allows me to have a little more time with people and work with them one-on-one. I offer also classes and I offer luxury retreats. So those are three ways, one-on-one classes and luxury retreats that we can work together and help you refine your seasonal authorship, or we can really go for it and make the decision that You're in the throes of becoming a lifelong writer and author. I would love to take part in that with you. Just a little pitch for my upcoming retreat. It's going to be wonderfully luxurious. It will take place in the northeast part of Seattle, October 14 and 15. And if you want to earn one extra night... Yeah. Why don't you give a call into the radio station during this show and find out how? I would love to gift that to you. This is a retreat where you come and you let the, this is a very high-end place to stay. You'd need to drop about $400 a night if you weren't part of this package. And you let them just take care of every little last meal you need. You let me take care of your your needs to be supported as a writer. Uh, You let us show you around the ground so you can pick out maybe some of those spa add-ons that you would like. It's just a wonderful, wonderful way to cultivate a relationship with your spirit, your story, and how to enrich the sanctuary mm-hmm, that we're providing for you when you go home and you do what you can to bring those great elements into the sanctuary of home and keep up with that lifelong commitment to your writing. If you want to know more about my luxury retreats, please head on over to my Facebook page, which is Debbie Handrich. Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y, 
And Handrich is just like it sounds. H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H. Or keep listening to this show. Or go ahead and head over to the website, which is Coach Debbie. Again, it's D-E-B-B-Y. CoachDebbie.com. Scroll down to the bottom and add your email so I can send you the latest and greatest information and deals because I don't give deals to everyone, but I would love to give them to you as my thank you for tuning into this show. Today, we are really looking at our relationship with writing. It is so important. I do a lot of shows on the relationship, and we're looking today at the seasonal aspects You know, when we tend to write in the summer more than the winter or the winter more than the summer. But we're also looking at how we might go from just biting off a season of writing and really get into the art of being a lifelong writer. You know, one thing I didn't know in my 20s, especially I didn't know that I could make a commitment to being an author and just write for about 30 minutes a day. That that was a mystery to me. I honestly thought that the best writers were up to their writing for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours a day, a day, because that's what I read. And I think it was Stephen King that sort of broke the bubble for me and said, yeah, he was writing eight hours a day, but he came forth and admitted it was to keep an addiction at bay. When he was writing, he had conditioned himself to not think so much about drinking. It was a transitional time for him. Before, in fact, when he was drinking, he was writing a lot at night and he was writing more frantically. It's a great book, by the way, if you're interested in his memoir. It's called On Writing by Stephen King. And I learned from him that this obsessive compulsiveness sometimes keeps us in more of the seasons of our writing. It's almost as if we have to transition over to a bigger decision. For many of us, there's this feeling that we're we're going to write something and no one will care. Now I can tell you it's it's still surprising and lovely and wonderful to me that when the show comes to an end, I get a text from my father and a little bit of feedback from him about the show because he and his girlfriend, Merti, are often listening to the show. It delights me to no end. I often will receive a note from my friend, Steve, who was the first person that allowed me to teach in the classroom. When I say aloud, he offered me an internship and turned over his 28 trusting students for, you know, a half an hour at a time or 10 minutes at a time 
to undergo my teaching. <laughs> and I don't know if that time, if it was really safe or not, but he took a gamble on me. And every now and then I get to hear a lovely, lovely bit of feedback from him. And it delights me to no end. My dear friend Antonio will say, oh, caught your show. And this was my big takeaway. Delights me to no end. You know what I've gotten from that is I used to think so much about who's going to care if I write, who's going to care if I offer my words publicly, because that's basically what I'm doing right here. And it changed when one, for one, I stopped being obsessed with the idea that if I didn't do it eight or 10 hours a day, the way I knew Stephen King had when he was transitioning out of addiction, that I'd be no good and I wouldn't be worth listening to. Had to give up that pattern. But I also had to give up the idea that everyone I ever have known and ever have loved and ever cared for and ever said anything about my show too would want to have a conversation the minute it was over. <laughs> Somewhere back in, oh, I don't know. I... I remember I remember interviewing an author that just really, really mattered to me. His name is Bernie Siegel. He's a very famous surgeon, heart doctor. I told all my friends, Bernie Siegel's coming on my show. And uh, I just thought I'd hear from people what they loved about what Bernie had to say and did they enjoy our interaction and I didn't hear from a soul. <laughs> and I took that to mean that A, nobody listened and B, worse, nobody cared. I just, I wrote that script. Nobody listened and nobody cared. And somebody sat me down. Somebody who was just a wonderful mentor at that time sat me down and said, do you offer feedback at the end of every single thing that matters to you? And I thought, mm, no, guess not. I guess I don't. And you know what, my friends, if we, if we just are hungrier for feedback than we are for our lifelong relationship and decision to be expressive and to be writing, we're going to find ourselves stuck in that seasonal idea that we're only good enough to pull it off here and there. And it only matters sometimes and that people might not really care on the level that we do. And if they don't, we don't need to keep bothering with it. We're going to get into these thought patterns that will never serve us. Never, never, never. Instead, I want to really encourage you to lean in when someone says, I really enjoyed that and feel the fullness of it. Because like I said, sometimes after the show, there's only one individual in the whole world that might be leaning in. 
And it's lovely when there's five and there's lovely when it's more. But on those days when I don't hear from anyone, I have to realize long ago, I made a lifelong decision to express myself, to be the author of my life, and to offer my written and spoken materials. This is a value. So instead of grabbing for my phone and hoping, hoping, hoping that I'll be validated into the world that people care, it's taken some time to realize that I really do want to be a lifelong author. I really do want to create more and more content because here's the truth. Many people don't care. Many. Yeah. And when you can accept that, I'll just speak from my own experience. When I could accept that I have more friends that don't care about my con- my content than friends who do, I was set free. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but think about it. How many of your friends really, really care about the career decisions you make? And how many of your friends really, really have very, very strong opinions about who you're married to? I mean, I'm sure you have some friends that are like, way to go. You chose well. But I think there's probably plenty of other friends that just, you know, that it's a flatliner for them. They're, they're like, yeah, good. Okay, sure. And they don't give much care to the marriage that you're involved with. They, they know that you give care to it. And they don't really sign on deeply. It's no different when you're writing your book. You find out who your readers are and who cares. It's no different when you offer your podcast. You find out who wants to show up and who doesn't. And you live on because of your own commitment, your own relationship to what you're doing. It tends to just stay seasonal if you stay in that dynamic that more people who care already need to care or more people who do care need to reach out and let me know. That kind of thing just keeps us in a a really low-level seasonal relationship with what we're creating. So I'm suggesting, except right now, if you want to be lifelong, except right now that many people don't care and others do. And that's fine because you're excited about it. You know it matters. And for those that you're reaching, it's wonderful. Because today you might be reaching five people. And on this day next year, you might be reaching 500 people. But honestly, you, you, you won't change a lot if there's 500 or five people really caring about what you're putting out there. You really won't. You'll change a lot when you make your commitment to doing it and to living beyond the 
little season of excuses or the seasons that you tried it out, but it wasn't meant for you. That seasonal thought that writing is too hard, you know, really, really do it because writing and authoring and speaking and sharing excites you. And because of that, you know, you have an audience no matter how great or how small and no matter how validating or how absent they can be at times, right? The relationship and the commitment that stems from you. So we're going to come back and we're going to talk about judgment. This is a biggie. And I'm just going to give you a little preview into it. It has to do with this desire to be normal. (laughs) Stay tuned. We're going to come right back. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. It is a delight to talk to you and help you become the lifelong writer and author that you just might dream about becoming. If you're new to my show and you would like to get some one-on-one assistance with your writing or some group coaching or learn about free programs or even high-end luxury retreats, I'd love to route you over to my website, which is www.coachdebbie.com. And Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y. In September, I will start that 90-day writing program again. And I do always offer an early bird special for those who are interested. Just send me a little note. If you go to CoachDebbie.com, you'll be able to click on Connect and ask me any questions at all about the programs you see. Simply by writing to me, I'll send you the codes for any of those discounts that uh, speak to you, including for my luxury retreat coming up October 14 and 15. And while I do call it a writer's retreat, you're not going to do a lot of writing there, but you are going to get a tremendous amount of support for writing that's just going to catapult you into producing that podcast or that book or that script that you have probably already started on. And I would love, love, love to support you in getting it to the middle place, let alone the finish line. We're talking today about becoming a lifelong writer, and it's part of really becoming a lifelong learner and really being teachable. And we talked a lot about what people 
care, you know, are they going to care about the writing we do? But, you know, another biggie is the notion that we're afraid we're going to be judged harshly when we write. And it doesn't matter if you're writing your first book or if you're writing your 10th book or if you're starting a brand new blog on a brand new topic because your old blog on your old topic didn't really speak to your new brand and all of that. It it doesn't matter. What, what I find matters is if you're still in that seasonal place of not being sure if you belong as a writer or a speaker, all that worry about the harshness is going to come up. And here's the funny thing. When you make a commitment to being a lifelong writer, what you find is that (laughs) it's hard to say, but you find that the world is harsh. There's a ton of harshness in the world. It's hard to avoid it. But if you can accept that it exists, then I think what you've really done is you've learned that those shameful topics, those things that you thought you couldn't talk about, you actually have loads of permission to talk about. It, it also stems out of that desire to be normal. What I have found in my own writing is I wrote in a journal because in my 20s, I didn't know I could talk publicly about being afraid of dying in debt. I didn't know you could talk about that. So I just wrote about it in my journal. I didn't know if you could even talk about the fear that someone in your family might be mentally ill. So since I didn't know you could talk about it, I just put it in my journal. Can you talk about your competitive tendencies? Can you talk about codependence in your classroom? (laughs) Can you talk about being a rebel? When you don't know if you really, really, really have permission to do so, you're back in that seasonal place of, I'm going to write about this topic in a, a private place or just with this tiny little community and I'm going to try it out. And if for any reason I don't feel comfortable, I'm going to leave. And I get that. Boy, do I get that. I mean, that's why I have dozens of journals in a Tupperware bin (laughs) because I wrote and wrote and wrote about this, not knowing that it's okay to find people to be public with and If you want to stick with it and you learn from it and you want to share about it later, it's probably time to leap into being that lifelong writer and saying, aha, I get it now. The world is harsh. And I was trying to avoid being judged. Guess what? I've learned long enough. I've lived long enough. I've experienced long enough to know that I'm not going to avoid those that judge. I'm going to actually experience judgment and I'm going to stick with my commitment. It's kind of like this. Think about, think about your marriage. 
I mean, I just talked to you about debt, for for example. Well, think about your marriage. You're in a marriage and all of a sudden you find out that the person you love had this side little debt going on that you didn't know about. Are, is that a deal breaker? Is it over just like that? Or are you going to realize that sometimes, sometimes these things come up and they require a deeper decision or a deeper commitment to find out what's really going on and how you're going to deal with it. I, I know for me, that idea of I don't want to be judged harshly and I don't I don't want people to talk about me like I I have to go to the dinner party because if I'm not at the dinner party, I might be the the one they talk about. Ooh, that could be terrible. When you come to the place of realizing that if you don't go to the dinner party, they probably will talk about you and you'll probably live through it just fine. Just fine. It might, you know, some of those little bits of gossip might make their way back to you and hurt a bit. But if you can accept that there is judgment and gossip in the world, not everyone likes everything you do, you're going to realize that you can have a relationship with debt or competition, or rebellion, or codependence, or or whatever just doesn't look so pretty, and survive it just fine. And what I would suggest is get in communities when you're a new writer, and you can be with others that are going through the same things you're going through, like worried they're going to be judged, worried that the, the opposite, that no one will care. The, the worry of judgment is that everyone will care. But the worry that, that um, no one will care, it's the direct opposite. It's almost like we have a worry that we fear our successes, and then we have a worry of fearing our failures. Those opposites, they're always playing their way out in some way. Here's a couple of quotes that I love to refer to on people that I think do amazing writing. One is from Mary Carr. She's just a brilliant memoirist. She wrote The Art of Memoir. And she says, people are hungry for something real. And that's when they migrate toward memoir. And what she's saying here is when... When people are writing fiction, they have a lot, a lot of control over the details, tons of control over the details. But when you're writing memoir, things right out of your life, you sort of have to have a more lifelong relationship, lifelong commitment, big decision making, because you're trying to work with not only your creativity around writing, but also the stuff that really happened and how will you express it? So Mary Carr is saying if, we're, if we care too much about what people think or if we're worried that we're going to be harsh, harshly judged, we, we might 
be really, really good at just those short little pieces of fiction that we put out when we feel like it, maybe one in our whole lifetime or maybe one every five years. And it it doesn't require the sit down, get your bum in the seat every morning and write for 30 minutes that the memoir writer needs when they migrate over to blending truth or it's, it's actually not even truth. It's, it's your real perception um, and your ability to be creative all coming together as one. You see, also, there's this desire to be normal. And I think uh, uh, Neil Donald Walsh, who does a lot of writing in the personal development field, really dispels this need to be so normal. And he says your struggle with normality ends where your gratitude begins. In other words, if you can really be grateful for the things you've lived through and you now want to write about, you're going to find that you went on a journey through so much lesson building that you're not as you're not as caught up in the struggle anymore. You're not as caught up either in what people think and how they might judge you because you really feel into the gratitude of, wow, I went deep into that story of debt and I came out on this other side all the wiser. Or I went deep into that story of competition and I've really let it go that competition is a bad thing. I actually see how competition has motivated me into being a stronger decision maker, etc., etc. Another thing I love is what Annie Lamont calls um, the five steps of desiring to be normal. And I'm going to put it in my own language here. Um, you can look her up. Annie Lamont has wonderful memoirs, and she's probably best known for the one called Bird by Bird. There's this five-step process that I heard her speak about in a recent interview with Tim Ferriss. And basically, it was this notion that most of us are really, really caught up in the idea that you're not allowed to be different. You're supposed to be normal, whatever that is. In um, my next podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about this with my upcoming guest. And then during August, we're going to dive into this topic deeply. The whole notion that we're supposed to be normal or we're supposed to conform So I just want to kind of lay this out there for you. If you believe that, you know, people should care about your writing and they shouldn't be too judgmental, you're probably someone who, number one, thinks you should be just a little more normal or conform a little more or be a lot less different. So that's typically rule number one. 
uh, I could avoid judgment and avoid people um, uh, hurting me if I was just a little more normal and conform just a little bit more to society. This is a behavior uh, that goes along with seasonal writing and sometimes giving up. But here's what, what follows. We usually tend to want to then fix it. We want to do something that looks a little more corrective. If we can't fix it, we often get into pretending, pretending that our irregularities don't exist or that our, our conformity uh, has this false image. You know, there's nothing more beautiful than a perfect Instagram page of beautiful photography to make you believe in the pretend. If we can't pull that off, we'll go running in the opposite direction and we'll hide, we'll isolate, we'll stay home. We'll really dig into the idea that we don't have enough dignity yet in our true story. And finally, are you ready? This one hurts. If we can't pull off being more normal or correcting it or pretending about it or hiding from it, we will usually buy into this idea that we deserve shame. And that's where we get into this cycle that people have to care or they've got to stop judging us. And we fall into being seasonal. And I don't want you there. That's why I'm going to dedicate the whole month of August of really diving into these themes deeper. We're going to talk about it even on my retreat. We're going to definitely to get into it in my 90-day writer's program. The doors are open right now for the early bird. We're going to start up in September. So you don't have a lot of time if you're listening to the live show here. we got about five weeks before that kicks off. You don't need to be normal. You just need to write. I hope this has served you, my friends. I love to spend Thursdays with you. Please download this from your favorite podcast platform. I'll see you back here real soon. Until then, namaste. Namaste.